Would you please pray with me? Lord, there is a place for every one of us, and you have called us to be your own. And I am amazed at the grace that you've given. So thank you. And as we enter into this time here now, as we, as we sit before your word, I'm asking that your spirit would illumine for us that which we do not yet see. Help us to see it perhaps even for the first time, Lord. And sink it not just into our heads, but also bring it down to in our hearts so that we might be able to live it in a way that reflects your purposes. Guide this time, Lord. It's yours. It's yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for those who may uh, not have been with us the last couple of months, let me give you a quick overview about where we are. We are currently in the middle of a sermon series where we are taking a look at the different metaphors or pictures that the scriptures use to describe the church. And we broke it into three different categories. The first category, the first grouping, had to do with how we relate to God as a church. The second category had to do with how we relate to each other. And the third category, which we're going to begin today, is all about how we relate to the world. If I could put it in more common language, things we're familiar with, this sermon series is going to help us to better understand our calling to know Jesus, grow with his people, and go to the world. Now, to get into this topic today, I want to encourage us to walk with me on a thought experiment, okay? Uh, we're going to craft a little bit of a thought and kind of experiment with it a little bit. And it's going to require us to make two primary assumptions. First assumption. Of all the different countries in the world you know, what one country intrigues you? All right, just maybe just spin the globe in your brain a little bit and see what country pops up. Maybe it's Syria, France, China, Thailand, Brazil. I don't know where it is. But, but, but what comes to mind, all right? Don't be too picky. It's a thought experiment. I'm not asking you to move there, all right? Just, 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 just grab a country and then assume this about the country, okay? You are already fluent in that language. You've been there many times. You love the people and you love the culture. All right, that's the first assumption. Second assumption, of all the presidents that have ever uh, uh, led our country, think about all the different presidents, select one that you can respect and admire, and, and if it's a hard thing, then make one up, all right? <laughs> you have to do that. All right, again, don't get picky, this is a thought experiment, all right? So, so, so just find a president that you can respect and admire, and assume that this person is currently occupying the White House. So, assuming that you are an expert at a particular country and that a president that you respect and admire is currently in the White House, how would you feel if one day you were contacted by that president? You know, you got an embossed uh, invitation in the mail or a phone call came in or however it would be done. Y you were contacted by the president and this person would say to you, of all the people I know, you are the best person that I know to go to this country and represent our concerns to this country that you love. There's some things going on there right now that, that need some attention, and I need you to go and represent us there. Wow. A president that you respect is asking you to be the link between himself and a people that you love. Just, just sit with that for a minute. And wow, 
How would you feel? There'd be a sense of, of uh, me? Why me? How could I do that? There, there'd, there'd be a sense of excitement about maybe we could do something here. And, and you work through all those different emotions and, and eventually you say, yes, I will do that because the president has asked you, you can't turn him down. And you, you pack up your family and you move over to this country and you, you walk into the familiar airport and you walk through the familiar people and, and you get to the house you're going to be staying in. And it's owned by the U.S. government. They own it. You steward it. And as you walk in, you open the door, and there on the, a side table by the front door is a document from the State Department. And there, highlighted in yellow on the first page is your job description, that you are to promote peace, support prosperity, and protect American citizens while advancing the interests of the U.S. abroad. You think about that. You're to promote peace. Think about what it takes to promote peace between two different countries. You know, your home country and now your host country. And it's not just peace between two countries. It's also peace in your host country as well. And it's not just the absence of conflict. It's the presence of wholeness. As you seek to bring justice and mercy and grace to bear upon the people around you. But you're not just promoting peace, you're also supporting prosperity, doing what you can to bless and improve the lives of the people around you as you seek to be a safe place for the other uh, citizens of your home country, and as you seek to advance the purposes of your home country in that area, trying to be that link between your leader and those people. I take time on this thought experiment because the idea of an ambassador is something that we in the 21st century can still get our minds around a little bit, can't we? I mean, some of us can even climb into it emotionally and say, oh, wow, what would that be like? And so what I wanted to do was take the time to put in our minds the thought of promoting peace, supporting prosperity, and advancing the interests of our home country. Put that in mind so that it's kind of informing some of what we're about to read. So I'd like you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 14. This is a familiar passage. We know it kind of well, but I want to take some time to walk through it today. We'll go from 5.14 to 6.2, all right? It'll be on the screens behind me, or you can carry your own copy and read in the scriptures, uh, read in the pews with me. The Apostle Paul is writing, he says this, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. 
This is one of my favorite passages, and I can tell you that it is, it's like, it's like this amazing mansion. It's this beautiful house, and it's filled with all kinds of treasures and beauties. I would love to give you a tour through this house someday, but, but instead, what I want to do this time through, I want to invite us, all of us, figuratively outside, and uh, to come and stand outside of the house. And I want to dig down beside the house. I'd like us to look at the foundation on which this house is resting. Because it's my anticipation that, that as we dig down and reveal that which is hidden from us, it's going to help us better appreciate, believe, and apply those things that we already know and already see. So let's just dig down a little bit and see what might be going on under the surface a bit. We know that Paul was a Jew, so that what he had, so what he had in mind was very specific when he wrote about us being an ambassador for Christ. And he also had something in mind when he, when he said that, that, that we could be speaking these words as if God were making his appeal through us. I do think something specific was in Paul's mind, and I think we can enter into that understanding by just looking at some of Jesus' words. Specifically, we'll start with the words in John chapter 20, verse 21. At this point in the story, Jesus is now the resurrected Christ. He is the one with all authority in heaven and on earth. The guy with the highest amount of authority anywhere in the universe says these words to his disciples. He says them to us. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sent. What does that mean? How has the Father sent the Son? Well, Jesus was sent by the Father to fulfill the Father's will, right? The Son left his home country, if you will, and he traveled to a foreign country, one that he loved, and he knew the, the language very well, and he began to be there as an ambassador representing the Father's will and purpose to the people in that, that country. Now, the word send occurs some 60 or more times in the Gospel of John alone, and most times when it shows up, it has to do with a special commissioning or a special relationship that exists between the one who is sending and the one being sent. In Paul's day, there was actually a person called the shaliach. In Hebrew, it means to send. Makes no surprise there. The shaliach was a person who acted with full authority of the one who sent him. It was such a known thing that the rabbis had a phrase for it. They would say, the man sent by the man is the man. Hey, there you go. You the man. Uh, this sounds like what Jesus taught his disciples in, in Matthew chapter 10, doesn't it? When Jesus said, anyone who receives you receives me. And anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. Or in Luke chapter 10, he who hears you hears me. And he rejects, he rejects me. And he rejects me, rejects him who sent me. It's, it's clear that the disciples and, and those who come after the disciples, they were called to do way more than just convey Christ's words to other people. We're called to actually represent him in this world. Because the man sent by the man is the man. Jesus is the Father's preeminent shaliach. The shaliach did nothing of his own initiative. Carrying the full authority of the one who sent him, the shaliach simply did what he was told to do. Now, in our Western way of thinking, we, we kind of put that in a position, right? 
we look, okay, if the man sent by the man is the man, then the man that's sent is pretty important, and we put him way up on a pedestal and say, this guy is really important. But that's not what's in Paul's mind as he's thinking about this. Because in the Hebrew frame, this has nothing to do with vocation. It has nothing to do with, with anything of, 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 of that type of thing. It's all about relationship. It's more about function than it is about status. So as Jesus is the Father's shaliach, so his disciples, Jesus' disciples, you and I, we are his shaluchim, the plural. Now, if, if, you take, if you take the word and you follow it down the Greek language path, you end up with the word apostle. That's how it would be translated into Greek. If you take it and you translate it down through the Latin path into the English, you end up with the word ambassador. No matter what language you're working it through, it all means the same thing. It has to do with one who is sent with the authority and purpose of the sender. Now this opens up some pretty interesting relational dynamics for us to think about. Go back several hundred years, 1 Samuel 25, the wicked Nabal offends David's servants. And when he offends David's servants, he's offending David. It's a pretty big deal. The righteous Abigail, when she washes the feet of David's servants, she knows what she's doing. She's actually washing David's feet because the man sent by the man is the man. See, this is, this is the thing that strikes me about this. The way we treat each other, the way we speak to one another, the way we live out or do not live out our faith in the world, I think it matters more than we realize. We're digging down to the foundation now. We're revealing things that we don't yet see. We're looking at it going, oh, that's what it is. That's what this house is resting on. It matters more than we may know. See, when I'm talking to you, I'm speaking with one of Jesus Christ Shalochim. Oh, my goodness. Do I speak to you with the same level of respect and patience and grace that I would if I was speaking to Jesus? When I interact with anybody outside of the church, whether I'm online, you know, in Facebook or Twitter or something, whether I'm online or in person or at the line at Payless checkout counter, when I interact with anybody outside of the church, I do so as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ in my words and my deeds to that person every time. And just like an ambassador sent abroad, the shaliach's commission is in effect until the king calls that person home. I have a sense that Paul had the shaliach in his mind when he wrote this passage in uh, 2 Corinthians 5. See, the father sent the son to a new land to be able to fulfill his purpose. The son then sends his disciples out in that same land to fulfill the father's purpose. The father sent the son on a mission as an ambassador with the father's full authority and the father's word. The son then sends his disciples on a mission as an ambassador with the father's full authority and the father's own words so that we can express it as if God were making his appeal through us. Because the person sent by the man is the man. It's interesting, but in my research for this message, I ran across a warning to long-term diplomats written by Harold Nicholson. 
It appears as though if you spend enough time in a different culture in that, in that kind of uh, framework, that you can begin to see a disconnect between yourself and your home country and your home kingdom. Nicholson says that when this begins to happen, the diplomat or the ambassador can become denationalized, internationalized, and therefore dehydrated, an elegant, empty husk. I sat back in my chair at that time and thought, wow. I mean, does that sound familiar? At least it does to me. It is so easy for me, at least, to get comfortable in my culture. It's just such a warm place to be here in the United States. You know, there's just pleasant stuff, and there's nobody attacking me, and there's all kinds of good things out there, and I can become distracted, and I can begin to forget the beauty of my king and the wonder of the kingdom that I'm a part of. And so, and so that's part of the reason why we, we gather together on Sunday mornings, right? It's why we gather in our grow groups. It's one of the reasons we get together in our mentoring relationships so that we can encourage one another in how we represent the king to the people around us and so how we can remind one another of the beauty of that king and the wonder of his kingdom. With this in mind, let's take a brief look at what the text says about being an ambassador. Okay, we've kind of dug out here a little bit. Let's now, let's now step into the house again. Very quickly, I'm going to give you four things the text talks about when it says what it is to be an ambassador. The first one is implied, and that is an ambassador is chosen by the king. I say it's implied because we see it all over the place in the scriptures. Uh, in this case, very first thing up, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says that he is an apostle. He's a shaliach by the word, by the will of God. He's chosen by God. Chosen, sent out, and carrying the full authority of the one who sent him. Not only is an ambassador chosen, an ambassador is also compelled by love. First, 2 Corinthians 5:14. Christ's love compels us. Christ's love, it's the love that draws us to God. It's the love that pushes us into the world. It's the love where we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, all our mind, and love our neighbor as ourself. Christ's love compels us. But ambassadors are not just chosen and compelled. They're also fully surrendered to the king. 2 Corinthians 5, 15, Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. When we are in Christ, the old things, the old way we relate to one another, the old way we relate to ourselves, the old way we relate to God is gone. And all things become new as we surrender ourselves to this new king. Finally, not only is an ambassador chosen, compelled, and surrendered, but he or she is also aware. Aware of a much larger context that is not normally seen or taken into consideration. The old is gone, the new has come, because when we come to faith, when we are reconciled to God through Christ, that changes everything. It changes everything for eternity. Ambassadors always are aware of the bigger picture, and they keep that in the mind. They know that the host culture that they're in right now, their host culture is actually at war. It's at enmity with the great king. And they know that the great king has sent out ambassadors all over the world to proclaim his goodness and to offer his, his offer of reconciliation and peace to all people and to all countries. And they know that their king wants them to make this appeal as though God were speaking his very words through them. 
They also know that the message they speak cannot be separated from the life they live. So, so they don't just speak good news from behind embassy walls, lobbing some really good thoughts across the way. They need to get out and build relationships, getting to know the people and caring for them by doing good deeds as they share good news. They know that in these good relationships that they're building, they do so with gentleness and respect, just as they were instructed to do. And finally, they know that their time is short, because this offer of peace is not going to last forever. One day, the great king himself is going to come to that country, and when the great king arrives, his coming will bring a close to that uh, season of God's favor. That's the urgent warning that Paul gives to conclude his message. He said, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. I like what the New Living Translation says. We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. We receive God's gift of grace in vain when we fail to share it with others. We ignore this marvelous gift of kindness when we fail to express God's kindness to others. Romans 2 says that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. An ambassador is chosen by the king, compelled by love, surrendered fully to the king, and always, always, always aware of the larger context that's not always seen and not often considered by others. If you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you have been reconciled to God. The old is gone and the new has come. God has brought you into his kingdom. You are now a heavenly citizen with all the rights and privileges given to that person, given to that citizen. But he didn't just bring you in to give you those good things. He's also equipped you. He's given you his Holy Spirit. Wow. His breath is in you. His life, his breath is in you. And he's sent you out into the world to a very specific country, to a very specific place. It's a place you already know well. It's a place you already love. It's a place the language you are already fluent and familiar with because it's the place you currently occupy. While you're there, God has provided you a place to stay. He owns it. You simply steward it. He's called you there as his shaliach to promote his peace, support his prosperity, and through you to advance his interests in that part of this world. Following his example... The task is going to require each and every one of us to build authentic, loving relationships with people who don't yet know this great king, people who don't yet receive the benefits of living in his citizen, in his kingdom. We are to promote peace and the good of our host culture by building relationships, doing good deeds, and sharing good news, because truth be told, ambassadors were never meant to remain behind their embassy walls. He's already equipped you, he's already chosen you, he's already sent you as an ambassador to the very place where you currently serve. Now, it's so great to hear the Romanians team uh, report here to us today. And, and think back, just a few weeks ago when we sent them on the way, remember that? We commissioned them as our ambassadors to go to Romania and to promote God's purposes there. They were our ambassadors. We brought them up front, we heard what they were going to do, we then prayed for them. We, we figuratively laid our hands upon them by holding out our arms like this, and we offered a prayer for them, commissioning them to go in our stead to do that work for Christ. What I want to do this morning, I want to close with this little exercise. 
God has put you where you are. And you're there for a reason. You are his shaliach, carrying his authority to whatever realm you may find yourself in. So what I want to do is I want to share some different vocations, some different activities. And as I do, I'm going to ask you to stand at that point. And I want us to do this in a way that helps us think through what God means, the bigger picture, being aware of the bigger picture going on here and how he's called you to that particular place, to that particular service for a time such as this. Don't get too picky when I go through this. You know, that's not exactly what I do, Rob. That's okay. Okay, if it generally fits, stand up and let the Holy Spirit speak to you at this point. I'm not going to try to embarrass you. I, I, there's going to be a lot of folks standing in just a minute, so you're not going to be alone, okay? Here we go. Where has God placed you as his ambassador? Let's start with an obvious category with people who are not afraid to stand up in front of others. At Purdue University, if you are connected to Purdue, faculty, staff, administration, support, student, or if you are at ministry to Purdue in some way, would you please stand for a minute? Just don't, don't, no applause, just stand up for a minute, okay? We're gonna commission you for a second, all right? After we get other people standing, just take a look. These are your fellow ambassadors. These are people that God has placed beside you and with you. This is what you are doing. That's your country. You know it well. God has sent you there. I'm going to expand it out now. Stay standing. I'm going to expand it out now to education. To those who are involved in preschool through 12th grade education, elementary, junior high, high school, if you're faculty, staff, administration, supporting the, some way, students, or if you're engaged in homeschooling with your children, or if you are in ministry to any of these ages, Please stand. So students as well, this is your chance. To, this is where God has called you for this season in life. You are all ambassadors at this time in God's name. Let's change the topic a little bit. Caregiving of any time. Perhaps you're caring for your own children in, in your own home. Or perhaps you're caring for other children as well. Maybe you're caregiving for a loved one. That person may be elderly or may be disabled in some way. Or let's make it more formalized. Maybe it's more of a vocation for you. You're in the healthcare industry. You're medical, dental, eyes, uh, different kinds of therapies. Or maybe you are support personnel to make sure that all the government paperwork gets done. So that, you know, if you're in that area, would you please stand at this time? See, this is where God has called you. That's your country. You know it better than anybody else. Let's move on to discovering things and making things and growing and raising things. If you're in research and development, manufacturing like Caterpillar, SIA, Wabash National, farmers, planting crops or raising livestock, milking cattle, whatever it might be, would you stand a minute and let's just, 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 take a, just think about where you are now. God's brought you there. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. A couple of big ones. Business of any kind, service industry, offering a service to the community, business owner with your own special, unique things going on. Communication, media, journalism, retail, hospitality, food and lodging, finance, skilled trade, carpenters, plumbers, electricians, folks that keep our houses going. Would you please stand and recognize that this is your calling that God has sent you to? What about public servants? You work for the local, state, or federal government. You're a first responder, police, EMT, fire, or you help negotiate the, the many different avenues of the law. You help people get through that in the legal realm. What an important role those things are. You can stand as well. And then there are those that you might say, well, where do I fit, Rob? Well, you are in a season where your options and activities are no longer imposed from you on you from above. It's called retirement, you know? You're retired from an occupation. You might be really, really busy still. There's all kinds of things going on, but, but really you're in a whole lot more control over what you're going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand as well. And maybe you're not retired, but you find yourself with 
with all kinds of discretionary time. You know, I, I, I hear people say, I don't know why God has, still has me around. I don't know what purpose I play here. You know, I just take care of a house, or I, I can't do anything. I am chronically ill, or I am disabled, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. And they look at these folks that are doing other things. They say, it's not for me. I just want you to encourage you to say, think about the bigger picture. Be aware of the bigger picture. God has put you in that place and has set it so that you can be his shaliach there in some way. And finally, nonprofit groups and those who serve on a staff at a church, either you're serving the church in particular or you're, you're supporting the church in some way, um, please stand at this time and recognize that is your place as well where God has called you. By this time, I, I hope everyone's standing, and if you're not standing, um, you missed your category, okay? <laughs> Get on your feet. <laughs> you are chosen by Almighty God to be the link between Him and the people that you love where you currently serve. Let's close this time in prayer, shall we? Wow, Lord, I, 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 I'm going to ask everybody right now, um, as a way, as a symbolic way of, of uh, laying our hands on others, would you just, would you just put your arm on the shoulder, your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you? And just, and just as a way of acknowledging the fact that, uh, that we are one in Christ and that God does indeed send us out, just feel the, feel the weight of that hand on you and know that you are commissioned by God Almighty. So Lord Jesus, we, we take this time to acknowledge the bigger picture that you do send us out, that, that uh, as, as the Father has sent you, you are sending us. Help us to see that bigger picture, Lord. Help us to be aware of what it is that you are doing in our lives and through our lives at this time. And I pray, Lord, that you would also give us that sense of how we can surrender our lives fully to you. And so in the same way we began this service by allowing the song to be our prayer, I want to let this service close by allowing this next song to be our prayer of response to the Lord.